Welcome to Great Loop Radio, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. This is Kim Russo. I'm the director of AGLCA. Today my guest is Mario Vitone, and I'm really happy to have him with us. He is a safety at sea expert, and uh, Mario is going to give us some tips on drills that all boaters, including loopers, should be doing on their boat. So I'm excited to get into that topic. Before we do, I want to take a moment to recognize and thank our Admiral sponsors who support AGLCA at the highest level. They are Curtis Stokes and Associates, Dog River Marina, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, Skipper Bob Publications, and Waterway Guide Media. As always, we encourage our listeners to support these businesses that support the Great Loop. All right, let's bring in Mario Vitone. Mario, thanks for joining me today. Oh, thanks for having me. It's fun. Yeah, let's start off for listeners who maybe have not read some of your articles that you have contributed to lots of industry publications. Um, but just tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Uh, my background is in is in uh, uh, water rescue. I was a U.S. Coast Guard helicopter rescue swimmer for for most of my life, and that was uh, I call that job the end of other people's bad days. If if you met me at work, you were having a really hard time. Uh, I, I did that job uh, until I was um, uh, 42 and realized I was uh, hanging from a helicopter cable at 42, and I went into accident investigation. <laughs> my last. My last mm-hmm. four years in the Coast Guard was a maritime accident investigator uh, and investigating officer, and then I, I retired in 2013, and um, and now I am the general manager at a, a, a company in Florida called Life Saving Systems that makes rescue gear. Uh, but I, I write uh, currently I'm writing a weekly uh, weekly blog for Soundings Magazine. And and so we that, that's um, what really want loopers to yeah check those those blog posts out because it's great stuff and it's really um, safety things that we should be aware of. And Mario, thank you for your service. Um, we certainly appreciate and want to recognize that. Um, so recently, and, and one of our members actually posted a link to our forum of uh, something that you wrote for Soundings, which was you titled it "Preparing for the One Bad Day." Um, and in that, you kind of talked about the concept of that one bad day and how. Um, in, in certain cases, having a lot of hours under your keel or miles under your keel um, can, you know, maybe lull you into a, a false sense of security for when that one bad day happens. Kind of talk up to us about that and, and the concept behind that. Well, there's this, there's this thing, and well, it's and it's not just boating; it's it's everything, right? It's absolutely everything. It's NASA. It's everybody. Um, long experience doesn't translate into experience with emergencies. Long, so you know, most of your experience, if you've been boating for 25 years. Uh, you would hope that most of your experience is useless for emergencies because you weren't engaged in one. You know, you were just boating. Uh, I'm terrible at docking a boat because I don't do it, right? Uh, you don't want me docking your boat, but you do want me on board if there's an emergency because my job was boating emergencies for, for, for 20 mm-hmm. years. So, And so my perspective on on uh, being prepared on preparedness for what might go wrong on a boat is going to be different than someone who's never had a problem. And so... I think that piece is about yeah you have to realize that to prepare for a problem you have to practice with problems. And, uh, right, and, and that's so important. Right, and that your experience, uh, if you think that um, if you think that uh, because you've been doing something a long time without problems means you're immune to problems, then, then you just don't get it. Mm-hmm. 
Well, and there are three really important drills, and that's really what struck me about the piece that I wanted to get the word out to loopers because these are drills that are, you know, necessary if you're on a boat, period. It doesn't have to be open ocean. Um, these are This is good stuff for everyone to practice, and I really hope we can get that message across today. So um, of the three drills, let's start with the losing your engine drill. Talk us through that and the right way to go about doing that. Well, you know, losing it, I picked those three drills because they're, 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 they're the three least common. Uh, there was three drills I talked about in the article. It was losing your engine, sorry, losing your engine, falling overboard, and medical emergencies. And, 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 there's, and the reason losing your engine made it in there uh, is because it's the one that people have the least practice with. People rarely, while cruising, decide, hey, let me pull my engines back and see what happens and how would I handle it. And so that lose your engine drill is one that we did as as an investigator. I did that to professional mariners to check uh, their procedures because there's a right way and a wrong way to go about losing your engine. So the lose your engine drill is somewhere with and this, for loopers this may be tough to find some safe sea room um, to give yourself time to react. If you're going down the C and D, uh, you lose your engine. It, 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 that emergency ends pretty quickly as you bump up against one side or the other, I guess. But um, if you find some sea room and then pull back the engines and, and count them as lost and practice for, you know, what you would do if you lost your engine. Um, so the, the idea is a professional marriage, if they, if they lose engines, once the emergency is over, if they're not in an emergency situation, the first thing they have to do is let the Coast Guard know. So that's part of the drill is deciding when. So you shut the engine off. You try and restart it, you can't get it back, uh, and so you've lost power and don't know why. The next thing you should do is call a pon-pon. You know, if you're not in immediate danger, you should call pon-pon to let boats around you know and to let the Coast Guard know that you're having a problem and that you're working on it. Um, and then, and these are sort of drills that you have to do, you have to do ahead of time in your head. You have to have these plans for, all right, if I lose my engine, I'll try and get it restarted. Then I'm going to call Pond Pond to let people know uh, that I'm having a problem. Uh, and then I have some decision points. When will I give up on this? You know, I decide how long I'm drifting, how how quickly I'm drifting, so I can determine exactly what kind of problem I'm having. And then decide then, all right, how long will I work on fixing my engine before I decide to to drop anchor? How close to the next closest hazard am I willing to get? Um, what kind of lookouts will I post while I'm drifting? If I'm down there trying to fix the engine, shouldn't someone be above decks trying to figure out, you know, making sure that uh, we know where we are and where the other vessels are around us? And so that's all that drill's about. It's, there's no specific right and wrong way for any situation, just that when you do, so the idea is to set yourself up so if you do lose an engine, you haven't even thought that you should have limits or that you should make a call. Uh, the pon pon is the least heard thing in maritime, but it's a it's a distress communication that's supposed to come before May Day, and I've never heard a mariner say it uh, in 20 years. Hmm. I never heard a mariner say it. Uh, it. It's like this forgot, but it's such a useful thing. And in the lost engine or dead in the water, any any situation like that where there's no emergent need, you're not sinking, you're not taking on water, you're not on fire, but the pon pon. If you call that, 
that alone can be the thing that saves you because there's another boat, you know, five miles away that can come up and lend a hand or take you inside tow, and now there's no emergency anymore, no chance of emergency. What happens is they lose their engine, they try and get it back, try and get it back, try and get it back until now there's the jetties and we're too late, and now we're going to be in a real mess. Right. So that's the point of the drill. Right. And one of the things, Mario, that you advocate is actually doing the steps, not just walking through what the steps should be, but actually performing them. So you recommend even going to the extent of picking up the radio and calling that pom-pom without actually holding down the button. Um, yeah, this is going to be a common, this will be a common thing throughout all the drills. You actually do everything you possibly can do. I don't, yeah, I, I don't press the button and call the pom-pom, but pick up the radio if you're going to pretend to do something, pretend to key the mic and say the words you would say uh, if you had uh, if you had that emergency. It would be pon, 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 pon. This is the state your vessel name and the nature of your problem. And I'm going back down below to work on it. We'll be standing by on channel 1-6 and then, and then do the next step in your drill. And if it's, well, I'd get mm-hmm. the anchor. You, all of us would want to get an anchor ready. So then you'd go actually ready the anchor. Get you know get it get it out and get it ready or get it set up and get it ready. Uh, this is uh, this is the thing in in doing vessel inspection even with professional mariners I I find always revealed the most. Everyone talks their way through the drill and when they actually have to and they say well I said what will you do next Well I get the anchor ready We'll go ahead and do that. And it in their head it's a thirty second thing Well it turns out to be a five minute thing in practice because mm-hmm. they haven't done it used to it they don't they don't reckon they don't uh they're having a problem hey that that thing's rusted shut or that that shackle's not not coming apart the way i thought it would and that's how we find these things out is by actually doing them right and for loopers especially there are some loopers who anchor out a majority of the time and are frequently using that anchor but there are also many who almost never anchor out so they don't have that kind of practice and experience and i, I talked to one just the other day who was just kind of killing some time um, waiting on a lock and decided to check out the anchor locker and hadn't used it in a while and found the line was completely knotted. So those are the kind of things actually walking through the steps of the drill can make apparent and make you realize that you're not necessarily as prepared as you thought you might have been. Um, One of the things, Mario, that you talk about, and, and this applies to a lot of situations, but you talked in your article about this under losing the engine, um, you mentioned to get out your QRH. Explain to listeners what that is and what it should include. The QRH is a term I, I, we, we just stole completely from airline pilots. It's the quick reference handbook. It's just a book of checklists. It's, uh, and this requires time. You can't do this during the drill. You have to do this before the drill. It, it's where you would write down what are my procedures for, insert problem, right? So. So what are my procedures for man overboard? What are my procedures for fire? What are my procedures for flooding, leaks, medical emergencies, losing my engine? And so there are in 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 aviation there's there's two types of, of checklist items. There's memory items that are on the QRHS. These are things I have to remember. Uh and then there's things that you don't need to commit to memory because they're in your checklist, but that you have that thing by to pull out. This is what helps you in these emergencies what's going to happen that no one seems to uh, take into account as you're going to get dumber you know as you get excited as, <laughs> as the pressure is real mm-hmm. you just get a little bit dumber and and you start to overthink things with a brain that's not thinking very well that's why i like practicing saying the phrase pon 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 you're more likely to do it 
And if you think it's an easy thing to do, think about these captains like uh, Scatino of the Costa Concordia or Lee on the seawall. These are trained mariners. Everyone thinks they're the devil because they, they didn't call the Coast Guard soon enough. But what they are is humans, and humans try to make the accident not true. Uh, and so if you practice calling the Coast Guard first, you're really a lot more likely to actually do it. Well, I've lost my engine. I call Pon Pon just to let everyone know. Because what almost always is true in almost every emergency is there was a reason to call sooner, but the sooner call never came. Right, and so that's why practicing it, saying it out loud, actually having it in your checklist. Well, the next thing I do is notify the Coast Guard I'm having a problem by calling Pon Pon. Then that's what you're more likely to do. Right. Great advice. Um, we're going to take a quick break and listen to a message from one of our sponsors. When we come back, we'll talk about the other two drills um, that you recommend as kind of the must-dos. We will be back in a moment. Northport Bay Boatyard is a complete marine service facility located on Grand Traverse Bay in Northport, Michigan. They feature over 85,000 square feet of heated storage, and they are offering loopers a 10% discount on heated storage, as well as a winter labor rate of $75. That's a $10 discount off their usual rate. For more information, visit www.npbby.com or call 231 231- 386-5151. Northport Bay Boatyard is a proud commander sponsor of AGLCA. We're back on Great Loop Radio. My guest today is Mario Vitone, who is a safety at sea expert, and we are going through some of the drills that boaters should be performing on a regular basis. Mario, let's move to the man overboard drill. Um, you mentioned that that's something that you often see not done correctly. So tell us what are some of the pitfalls or mistakes people have when they do that drill. What's the right way for us to practice for the situation? Yeah, every time there's a man overboard drill, everyone thinks, everyone I've ever talked to thinks that the first thing you do is yell man overboard and point. And, uh, at, at, and it's important to call a man overboard and it's important to point. But if you read the actual federal regulations on man overboard for professional manners, the first thing you do is throw a flotation. Uh, because as the boat moves away, every, every second is a, another hard swim for someone to get to flotation. So the first thing you do is you're supposed to throw a flotation, whether they're wearing a life jacket or not. So there's a throwable PFD or a life ring, and you throw it. The mistake I, I see a lot is that everyone talks their way through throwing it that does throw it. And when I say actually take it out of the cradle and throw it, there's this hesitation. And then they, they find out exactly how long it takes to get the life ring out of the cradle and throw it. Sometimes it can't be done because they lace up the line in such a way that it actually locks the life ring in place. And so when I do man overboard drills, I have a spare. I, have, I always have something I can throw in the water that I'm willing to lose that is marked as drill. It has the name of my vessel and, you know, drill. So it, so the Coast Guard, so no one finds it. And th- if I can't get it back, they don't think that someone went overboard off my boat. Mm-hmm. But I'll throw another drill ring overboard. And I always like to be, as the if I'm the one driving the boat, I like to be the one who goes overboard. I don't actually go, but I say, you know, man overboard, it's me, go. And they run the drill that way. And the first thing they should do is throw flotation. And you really want to grab the life ring. And you can have it tied to a line and retrieve it really quickly, but actually physically make the throw and find out what that feels like and where the thing goes. Even even in a pool, when I, I do, I'll do training, 
And one of my favorite drills is to get about 20 uh, feet out in, or 20 to 30 feet out in the water and have students try and get to me with the life ring. And it's a 50-50 shot whether these boaters can actually get the line anywhere near me to grab. So these things take practice. And, and getting even getting this, even something as simple as getting the throwable PFD out of its cradle and throwing it uh, is, is not as easy as it's if you never do it. And sometimes it can't be done um, because they sit there and they never come out. So something in the water really as a target, throw the PF, throw, throw the flotation, then yell man overboard, right? Uh, and then you'll find out, you know, you know if the people on your boat can't drive the boat. If they just can't do it, they just can't do it. Now you have some decisions to make about whether you want to have training. But you're going to find out how to execute a turn uh, when you take your hands off the wheel, step back and go, I'm the one in the water. I'm just going to sit here and watch. I'm overboard. And using the captain as the man overboard is a great tool to get the rest of to, to get the rest of your team up to speed on on uh, how to handle a man overboard. And it's uh it's uh always harder than everyone thinks. And again, right. The time in your QRH and your checklist that you would call the Coast Guard. You know, I don't believe in calling them. Well, and most man upwards, they get picked right back up. But but if you lose sight of the person, that's time to call, right? So these things have to be in your checklist, and they have to make their way into your drill. Right, so important, and um, particularly for loopers, we're not talking about you know four or five person crews out there. We're typically talking about a couple um, right. most of the time, um, and. I've seen far too many where there's one person in that couple who's just not comfortable driving the boat. Um, and we really stress that both people need to be comfortable driving it, at least to the point of being able to get help. So, um, you know, for a person out there maybe who is not comfortable driving the boat, this is an important drill. And assuming right. you can retrieve the captain if he's fallen overboard, assuming you want to, <laughs> just kidding, but it's assuming you actually get him back in the boat, great but if for some reason you lose sight of him and can't um, you really need to be able to maneuver that boat to the next step and I just see far too many people who can't do that Um, and that kind of brings us to that next um, drill which is um, a medical emergency so talk about that one a little bit if you will Mario far and away the most common thing that goes wrong at sea is the people on the boat far and away and if you don't believe that go ahead and google Coast Guard medevacs sailor and look at the number of returns from just last month. Uh, it happens almost every day, certainly every week, that there's a medical evacuation from someone from a boat. It just happens all the time. It is the most common problem out there, and it's one that least mariners are prepared for. You're prepared to have a good time. You're not prepared to handle someone having a stroke or medical emergency or falling and getting hurt in a way that requires some real attention. And so that's a good drill to have. Um, and, and it's a good time to to decide what gear you, you want to have on your boat. This is part of you know deciding: Do I want to have an AED on my boat? Do I want to have a first aid kit? What kind of first aid kit do I want to have? And then setting those parameters: What do I do if someone says they feel seasick? Well, that may be different, but deciding ahead of time that if someone complains of chest pain, hey, my chest kind of hurts. On my boat, someone I don't know, or even so, anyone on my boat says, man, my chest kind of hurts. I'm having this crushing thing in my chest. We stop. It's all stop. It's all stop, and I'm calling. I'm making the call to the Coast Guard then. Or if I can pull in, I'm pulling in. We're getting back to that trip's over. 
because I don't mess around with heart attacks at sea, and, I, and I'm not a doctor, and I can't decide whether they're having one or not. And so, but that that's in my checklist, and that the people on my boat know that's what we're going to do, makes the decision so much easier. Because what most people do is, well, how long has it been hurting? Well, have you had this before? And they're trying to make the emergency not true. They're trying to make it not serious, because it interferes with your with the model in your head of how things should be going. And so having those drills, practicing uh, with your different scenarios of, of, of what you would do if, you know, if someone says, I feel seasick, well, I'll say, well, you know, sit outside and drink some water or tea. I'm not going to stop the trip or call the Coast Guard because you feel seasick. If you have chest pain, if if you fall and get hurt and you're slurring your speech, you know, there, there's there's things that might happen out there that you have to have a plan for or you're going to find yourself trying to make them not true and maybe second-guessing a little too long when what you should be doing is getting back to the boat. And if you have that drill and you practice saying to each other, oh, chest pain or blurred vision or slurred speech, we're canceling the trip or we're, we're pulling in or I'm calling for help, then that's what you're more likely to do in the emergency. So the drill then, Mario, that you would recommend is one person um, uh, basically giving the symptoms to the to another person aboard, and you know running through the decision from there. Yeah, I I I run the drill. If there's one other person on the boat, I run the drill. If I have a seat and I I have a seat and say, this is a drill. I'm complaining of chest pains. And then, mm-hmm. and you can further exacerbate the drill by and so they'll start doing what they would do. You know, according to the checklist, well, I'm going to make a call, have a checklist, and I'm going to turn the boat back, and I'm going to I'm going to make the call. Okay, make the call, and then I'll say pon 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 pon, and they'll let them know I'm coming back in with a medical emergency, complaining of chest pains, and then I, as the person uh, running the drill, would say I'm no longer speaking, and I've passed out. Mm-hmm. Now they have another decision to make, and now they have to assess me for airway, breathing, and circulation, and decide whether they're going to do CPR or not. I take it all the way through to CPR, breaking out the medical kit, and even breaking out the AED, actually getting it out and practicing setting it up. Not actually putting it on me and setting it up, but you know what I mean? Actually getting the gear out mm-hmm. all the way through. And what am I going to do? Yeah, now now I'm on the boat and I have to do CPR. Do I have to stop the boat? Do I have to anchor the boat? Do I have to pull over? Have I called for help? So you find out just how unprepared you are for those kinds of problems by really going through that as a drill. Exactly. And, you know, for loopers, um, you know, as a, as a whole, it's a healthy group of people because they're an active group of people, but they're also a little bit older than the average population would be. Um, so these are real concerns for some people. And this is where my concern when both people don't know how to handle the boat comes in. Because if the person who's generally the captain and generally is the person steering the boat is the one with the medical emergency, you know, different from the man overboard, the fastest way to get help for somebody with that medical emergency is likely going to be to get back to the dock. And if right. um, the person who is feeling fine is not able to do that, and at least, you know, you don't have to be able to back it into a slip, but at least get close enough to a, a you know, a tee that you could um, toss somebody a line and, and be able to dock the boat to get some help. Um, so that's really right. what I hope that the people that are listening will take away from this is that, it's a real possibility, and the kind of drills that Mario's talking about can really save lives in these situations. So just want to stress that. Mario, how often should we be doing these drills on our boats? 
I'm a fan of, of, of at least quarterly, at least quarterly on them. I like man overboards a little more often because man overboards such a, a dangerous thing. The other things are just sort of reminders, and and on the you know, and you don't have to make everyone a, a, a fully functioning boat driver like you say, but just having what's my plan if if my primary driver can't drive? Maybe I just head mm-hmm. back towards the dock and I get on the radio and call for help because someone will show up, right? We boaters help each other. Right. There'll be a driver. Yep, pulling up exactly. alongside, taking the home for you shortly. And that's a, that's a completely viable plan. You get on the radio mm-hmm. and say, "I can't drive, I need help." They're going to show up, right? So, uh, it's uh, particularly in these close groups like uh, uh, you loopers who seem to travel in in teams, right? Mhm. Yep. yep. Yeah. So it's um, very important stuff, um, and we have had medical emergencies. Um, that really have been handled well either because the people were already at dock at the dock and there were other loopers and other boaters nearby um, that had some medical training um, or because, you know, there were faster boats nearby that could help with a medevac if they weren't in an area where there was um, quick and easy access to medical attention. So, yep, loopers certainly look out for each other, um, but you have to know what to do. And you have to know when to, to ask for that help. Um, to get out there. So um, we appreciate all the information you've shared with us, Mario. Anything else that you want to add to this discussion on drills that maybe we haven't covered? Well, I just want to say I I get accused of taking the fun out of boating, and I I don't mean to. You don't have to be uh, uh, scared of this stuff, but that's sort of the point of the drill is as you get through it, you get competent, and now you're no longer worried. You're just prepared. And that's why I'm I'm a big fan of just uh, taking some time to decide what you would do and to go out there and practice it just a little bit, just enough. Don't let your experience, good days, make you not ready for a bad one. Excellent. Mario, um, you write frequently. Where can our listeners learn more about you or read some more of the pieces that you've written? Uh, I'm currently writing it and having a great time at Soundings Online. So for Soundings Magazine, Soundings Online, and if you go to the Voices section, uh, I write Lifeline Safety and uh, Rescue at Sea. Okay. And, uh, Let's go ahead also, if we can, and uh, do a plug for the business that you run that um, has safety equipment. Where can they uh, find out more about that? I, I, I work at Life Saving Systems in, in Apollo Beach, Florida. That's lifesavingsystems.com. Uh, we we don't make a lot of things. for. Usually it's for professional rescuers, but there's a few odds mm-hmm. and ends here that we've strobe lights and things like that, I, I think they'd be interested in. So they'd be, please come to lifesavingsystems.com and have a look. Great. Mario, thank you so much for your time and for sharing these great ideas with us. We'd love to have you back to talk about some of the other emergencies that can happen and, and how to deal with them. Um, but until we do, we hope that our listeners will check out your uh, writing on Soundings Online, and we thank you for your time. Thanks so much. To our listeners, thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of Great Loop Radio. Until then, safe cruising. Mm-hmm.